The following was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio is speaking. Last weekend, if you were here, we just had a ton of people. I think it was one of those Sundays where, like, everybody came at one time. And if you've been around this community, really any church, honestly, on a Sunday, like, not everyone comes every weekend. So uh, last weekend seemed to hit where everybody was here. And we were planning on just doing a family service, uh, not having anything special for the kids. We could just all hang out together in this sort of chaos that is. But as we're hanging out, like, this is just too much. And you know from my heart, and Brian, who was here last week, it doesn't bother us so much, but I just know it's difficult as, as parents. Uh, it can be difficult as parents. So I'm talking to Amy before service, like, oh, my gosh, we have to do something with the kids. Like, we cannot just let this ride. It's just going to they're just gonna tear this place apart. And uh, kind of watching that, and we get going, and, and, uh, and, and, and Troy, who's just this sort of, classic jump in and serve as needed so that you know it just starts to begin to jump in like he's he's kind of playing bouncer at the door if we could just kind of get them all in here i'll guard the door and we push the kids in there and then i'm like that's there's there's too many of them so like i start taking the kids outside i'm gonna just get them outside and we'll just run around in the grass a little bit and i'm like this shouldn't be too hard man it is hard to take a bunch of kids outside in the grass just let them run around like we're like, we, at one point, I'm like, Troy, I think there's some caution tape in my car because Matt left his caution tape with us. And, and we put a caution tape up around and set up this perimeter for the kids. Like, all right, but as soon as there's like a perimeter, as soon as there's a fence, the kids want to go on the other side of the fence, you know? So they're, they're climbing over the caution tape. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're just trying to control this ball of like 15, five-year-olds just bouncing around. And, um, and, and Troy's like, hey, do we have a broomstick? I'm like, what? I'm like, they're not being that bad, dude. Like, what do we need a broomstick for? And, and, you know, comes in and finds a broomstick, and I come in, I go out a little bit later, and he's just got this, like, awesome, like, limbo line happening with a broomstick and all these kids. But they're in line, and they're doing it. I'm like, no way, that's amazing. And, like, he just, he just grabbed the kids' attention and, and, like, kind of rallied them. And I pop back in. I go back out a little bit later. I know some of you other guys were out there, Luke, and they have a hose, a big garden hose they found out there. And they're playing jump rope with this big garden hose out there. And it's all these kids, and they're jumping around. And, and it was just really cool to see, and I thank you, Troy, just publicly for that, just for like jumping in, sort of on a need in the moment of, of what's happening in our community, whether we planned it or didn't plan it, just to step up. And that's something that we really want to believe in here. I, I was working with a new person at our uh, at the brewery where I, where I work a few days a week and kind of training. And she just sort of asked, like, well, how do you know what to do? How do you know what to do? And I said, man, if you see something needs to be done, you do it. And that's really the system that's down there. We've talked about that up here. There's not a, a, a name next to everything that has to happen. There's just a general idea of what has to happen. And, and really, and that's that environment, caring for the, the people that come in, and whether that's moving glass or, or pouring or register or picking up something or making sure someone knows what's happening, you just kind of jump in and do that. And as we learn about ourselves as a, a community, I, I really love that idea. Like, I don't know, if you see something, if something speaks to you, if something's on your heart, like, let's lean into that. Let's, let's do that. And so last week, you know, it was just cool to see uh, a number of guys really respond to a need in the moment versus like, well, my name's not on the list. I, I'm not doing it this week, right? I didn't sign up for it. It doesn't matter if you sign up for it or not. It's, it's this need. And, and, it, and it speaks to what Brian talked about last week, that the community is not just about, about you. Right? We, we, we like to think that way because we just think about ourselves all the time, all of us. Uh, when we walk into something, it's like, what's, what's, how's this going to work for me? How does this play out in, in my story? Like, uh, do I like the worship? Do I like the teachings? Does it have a good k- kids program? Is there snacks? Is it short enough? Like whatever your criteria is for, for a church, and we kind of live that way. We're just like, all right, maybe I don't need all that stuff. Maybe it doesn't scratch. Like maybe it's not a ten for me on everything, 
Or maybe the community needs me to be here. Maybe the community needs you. And that's another way of thinking, because believe me, we've just been, we're so consumer-driven. Like, what is it offering me? Am I going to get fed? Am I going to be comfortable? Like, I don't know. Maybe you're not. Maybe the chair's uncomfortable and the talks aren't that good and worship's this, but man, this community needs you. If you want to be involved, it, it needs you. Our kids need you. The, the, the foster care programs we work with need you. And there's just areas to jump in that way. Right? And any, any one of us can only do so much. Brett comes up here and rallies the kids because the kids don't listen to me. I can't do the kids. Like, I've tried to do the kids. I mean, it just doesn't work. Like, it's just outside of sort of my anointing or gifting right now. Man, Brett comes up. Kids get in line. They know they're going to pray. They go out the door. Like, that's awesome. You know, Brett and Lane both, I appreciate that. Because there's a tremendous need to sort of step in and fill. And so we'll see in the early church as we look into this, this situation, they're, 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 they're figuring out how do we meet the needs that are being presented. Right? They didn't sit back and say, here's what I think we're going to go with this thing. It's like, man, let's just start loving people. We're going to start doing dinners. We're going to care for people. Let's see where this thing takes us. And sort of Acts 6, this sort of pops up. So I'm going to read that. If you have a Bible, you're welcome to read it. Read along in Acts 6, just a, just a couple of paragraphs. Uh, on that. If not, uh, please just listen along. So again, this is early on in Acts. Church is just really forming. Uh, All the churches in Jerusalem at this time, Uh, there was sort of this revival situation. Thousands of people were coming to to become Christians, and the early church, the apostles, are are, are managing this this sort of situation. Uh, In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven from among you who are known to be full of spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, also Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Paramus, Nicholas Nicholas from Antioch, a convert from Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles. We prayed and laid hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. A large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Verse 8, now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. So this situation arises, and this is really the first sort of challenge of this church. And it's, it's, Remember, it's not a perfect church. It's, it's a church that focuses on the right things, but it's, it's an imperfect church because it has people involved. And this situation arises where there's this tension between these two groups of people, this, this Hellenistic, uh, Hellenistic Jewish group and this sort of, sort of more native Hebraic Jewish group. And what that meant was around Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem, which is the holy city, uh, there was a contingent of Jews who, had, who lived there who kind of always lived there. And they were sort of like the upper class Jews. They were closest to the temple. They followed along with Hebrew, the Hebrew language. Most, mostly they spoke Aramaic, and everyone spoke some Greek at this time. Uh, but they spoke Aramaic. They knew Hebrew. They followed the, 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 the Old Testament customs to a T. Um, even though they were in this sort of pocket of, of Rome, they held to their own. They were still the Jewish nation. Now, in contrary to that, this other group, the Hellenistic Jews, were, were, were Jewish people, Jewish nation, that had been spread out over the years through different empires coming up, Babylon, Assyria, uh, Alexander the Great, there was these wars and nations were changing hands, but these Jewish people were spread out, whether they got taken into slavery uh, or their nation was just ransacked and they went to find a healthier place. The Jewish nation was, was spread out throughout the world, throughout the, that, the Greek world at the time, so the Hellenistic world, and they picked up on, on Greek culture. There's this Hellenistic culture. Now, they were still 
Jewish. They still followed those rules, but they, they didn't follow all the rules. And so what happened at this time when we're, remember Pentecost a couple chapters ago, thousands and thousands of Jewish people descend on Jerusalem for this festival. And, and then Peter speaks at this, you know, Pentecost Day and, and, and the Holy Spirit falls. And all of a sudden there's all these Christians, all these new church people that were this mix of, of localized Jews, a sort of upper-class Hebrew Jew, and then these Jewish people who came from the outside. And what's happening now is this church is forming because there's these, these widows in, in the mix. There's this grumbling happening because the, the, the Grecian, the Hellenistic Jews are like, hey, those guys aren't taking care of us. They're not taking care of the widows. And there's this division happening. There's this divisiveness happening because the Hebraic Jews are like, hey, we got this thing down. These guys are, they're not even really... They're not even really Christians. There's this sort of division happening at this table in the middle of this new church. So this new church, is as great as it is, one of the first things that begins to happen, the first challenge that, that comes up, and this is, I think, kind of interesting. The church's biggest threat at the time of its birth wasn't an empire. It wasn't Rome, and it wasn't persecution. It was division amongst itself. It was itself tearing, tearing itself apart. They can deal with persecution. They can deal with being thrown in jail and getting out and that kind of thing. They can deal with, you know, kind of getting around Rome and being bold. And when the church starts turning on itself, that's when it's in real, real trouble. And so you had this group who felt entitled, entitled to sort of owning the church against these, outside, these outsiders, these outside Christians who maybe didn't, weren't circumcised. Maybe they ate different foods. Maybe they wore different clothing. And they sort of were made to be treated as, honestly, as less thans in the church. And we like to pride ourselves in the church. Hey, we're all equal. Under Christ, there's grace. We're all equal. Everyone's good. We don't show preference to anyone. But man, early on, that little seed got in there. Like, you know what? Ah, we're a little better than those guys. And when it came to start serving the widows, which the church was really good at, which actually the Jewish nation was really good at, they took up collections weekly for people in need, and the early church adopted that. And there's these tables where they're handing out uh, goods and, and probably sometimes money, and sometimes it was just a meal. What they were finding, these, these Hellenistic Jews, like, man, they're not taking care of our widows. They're favoring their own, their own kind. And the apostles got word of this, and like, that's, that's not healthy. That's, a, that's actually a very dangerous thing when the church starts splitting itself apart because some people are being preferred over, over others. And I think today we, we still sort of live in that tension, and especially for us as this community who really we're leaning into building community, making sure people are, are at the table, who are invited in. But it's so easy sometimes just to feel left out and to be made, made to feel like you're not good enough. And has anyone ever felt like that, like you're not good enough? You're not good enough to be part of the group, whatever is happening? Man, it goes back to, to old, sometimes for many of us, old wounds, maybe middle school, elementary school, like you're not cool enough, you don't have the right stuff, you're not welcome at the table, you can't quite get in, you thought you were going to get in, even in this church, oh cool, we're all in the church now, we're all like the same, like, and then you come to find out like, no, still not the same, we're all equal, some are more equal than others, right? this sort of idea happening, and the apostles are alert to that, and there's some great hurt that can settle, get in on those places, I was just musing on that this week, this group coming in, Living in this sort of excitement, like, oh, my gosh, we found some place. We've always sort of felt on the outside, the, the, the Jews who lived outside of Jerusalem, we've always felt a little bit outside. And then they come in like, oh, my gosh, open tables, open arms, we're all in. And then they kind of find out, like, no, still on the outside. And that hurts. And I know some people in this room have dealt with that, maybe are still dealing with that. Feeling like, man, as hard as I try, I can't seem 
to get in. I always feel like I'm not quite good enough to be there. And those are hurtful things. Those wounds can run very deep. They can run very deep. And on the other side of it, there's this this group who really like, man, they should have been looking out for the other. And they just sort of went back to their old ways. Like, nope, these are just the people we know. This is who we're comfortable with. This is the people that look like us. This is the people that talk like us. We're just going to own this thing a little bit, and maybe if you can figure it out on your own, that'd be great. And we have to keep our, our, our tables open for all, for all people. And those who are hurt, if you've ever felt like that on the outside, you've been hurt that way, it's a couple of things to sort of process through that. In this situation, were they being overlooked like on purpose? Maybe. Maybe they were actually just being mean, and they were like, they were showing. Maybe it was just they were just busy with their own kind and didn't know they were neglecting these widows. I don't know. Either way, it's sort of, it can feel very painful. And for you and I, we don't always know. And when people come and go, we don't even know, especially, in, you know, you kind of near, you get, you get in conversations with the people we know, and maybe some, some other people come in they, that you don't know, like, are you, oh, man, we just, let's go talk to them. Like, no, I'm good. I got this thing happening. I'm fine. And for most of us, especially those who are, who are managing kind of family and life, like, all right, I got some good friends, I got this church thing here, I got my job, like, there's a little bit of balance, like, there's no room for nobody, anybody else, like, nobody move, this is, this is it, we are fine, we are locking it down, right, I don't have room for new people, and the gospel is about room for new people, I mean, if, if nothing else, Jesus came down to open the thing up, that was formerly closed off to a small, a small group. And this little issue coming in, again, it's not the Roman Empire, it's not persecution, it's not the Pharisees, it's not the Sadducees, it's these cliques forming in the church that the church is running, runs the greatest risk of being torn apart in this, in this early season. And we find these Hellenistic Jews, now they're, they're grumbling, it says they're grumbling, uh, translation complaining, and, and, and grumbling and complaining is always referred to as a, as a sin in the, in the Bible. Now, it wasn't unfounded that they should be doing this. Like, they're being treated unjustly. But they start to complain and they grumble. And the Bible's pretty clear about, like, that's not the right way to go about this thing. And for you and I, I don't think most of us sit around and we feel left out or hurt. Like, we, don't, we probably don't say we grumble. We might complain. You know what we do? We gossip. We start talking about other people. We start talking about projecting why they're doing this, why they're, why they're not doing that. We get into gossip mode because we feel uncomfortable. We feel left out. We feel hurt. When you have wounds like that, you're not completely yourself, and you start taking shots at other people. And so the middle of this, this crisis is, is probably this happening. Because it doesn't say where it started from, who was talking about it, but there's this sort of undercurrent happening. That's essentially gossip. There's gossip happening because, like, oh, yeah, see what they're doing. That guy's doing that. He should be over here. Like, you know, what everyone else should be doing. And that's not healthy either. Even if you're being mistreated, that's not the way to go about it. Right? We got to get this thing to light. And that's eventually somebody jumped in and said, hey, we got to sort this thing out. It is unhealthy. And then the apostles are like, oh my gosh, yeah, 100%. Let's fix that. Because a lot of times these situations are being hurt. And, and, and man, the church is at the top of many people's lists of hurt. It, the church can be very hurtful because it makes you feel loved and very close and then it sort of just turns its back on you very quickly. It can do that. The apostle like, wait a minute. We're, we're going to fix this thing right away. Let's take care of it. Let's point some good people to jump in on this situation. They begin to, to live this thing out. 
But if you've been hurt that way, if you've been wounded that way, if you've been made to feel less than or left out, man, I encourage you, like, lean into that hurt. Like, let's, let's figure that thing out. I don't know what their name was. They probably have a name. All hurt has a name somewhere. You know, let, let's start to lean into that. Let's not let that fester. Let's not that cause grumbling, complaining, gossiping, right? Those wounds, they, 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 they hurt and they can scar us and they can keep us from being ourselves. This last, uh, last weekend, we were up camping at Nasimeno, a men's retreat, and just, just had a tremendous time. I just want to encourage you guys, about a year out, uh, you know, make, try to make time for it. But we're hanging out around the fire pit and, uh, at night, and, and uh, you know, we're fiddling with the logs and getting it going. We're burning different stuff. We're getting wood from, you know, kind of all over camp and, and that whole scene. And it's funny, just talking, moving stuff around. I'm kind of working the fire, and I'm you know, putting, on, putting on some new stuff, and I kick a few pieces over to kind of set it up in the little, you know, teepee, how it goes. And, and I'm kicking one, and it starts to fall just to the side. Oop, I reach down and, and grab it. And uh, it was super hot. Uh, it was on fire. You know, it was on fire. I stuck my hand right in there, and I, and I, I burned my thumb really bad. Like, it, it, it just, I just heard it sizzle. I'm like, oh, man. You know, thumbs are pretty tough, but it just, it, it sizzled right up. And, and it started to scar and scab. put some water on it. I'm fine, but it just sort of like, yeah, that wasn't smart. And, and, uh, but there's this sort of scar on my thumb, unrelated to the Band-Aid, actually, by the way. There's a Band-Aid on there for something else. But um, th- my thumb is all scarred and scabbed over. And what I found, which is kind of interesting when I you know, didn't want to think about it, I, you know, I grabbed my phone and I have iPhone and it unlocks with a little button. It won't unlock with the button because there's this scarring over my thumbprint right now, and it, it's not picking up on that it's me. Like, it's still me. But there's this, scab, there's this scar, there's this wound that's sort of hiding a little bit of my identity to my phone. And when we have these kind of burns or wounds, sometimes it, it, it just it covers up just enough of our, our true identity. And people sometimes don't get to read who we really are because you're, 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 just, you're just a little bit covered up. And as a community, we want to lean into our, our real selves as messy and as ugly and as messed up as they might be so that we can actually love each other as a community. And so these wounds, when this early church situation, they just started pulling back and said, you know what, we'll just take care of ourselves and we're just going to live with this hurt. We're just going to live with being shunned. Man, it's no bueno. It does not go in the right direction. All of a sudden you have two, you get two churches very fast, very fast. Apostles uh, goes on to say, Apostles kind of had this made this decision when they they picked up on this this situation uh they said all right we got to do something about this but we can't do this uh we can't feel this ourselves so the, the apostles gathered said it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of god in order to wait tables and there's a there's a piece there that's sort of like dude just wait tables who cares but but they knew what they were called to do they knew that they were called to do and it's a bit easier let's you know what we need to do we need to get some other people to do this part. And it's going to be more fruitful for them. It's going to be more beneficial for us. And some of us, as we run through life in church, man, we just need sometimes get that value check down of, of what we're supposed to do or not to do, right? In order to know what we're to do and what to avoid, we must have a clear sense of calling. We must have a clear sense of calling. Because a lot of us are running around. If you have, if you have kids and school and work or you're looking at travel, like, all this stuff's happening trying to decide what you should do or not do. Man, a clear sense of calling Helps dictate those things. Clearly, the values helps makes yes and no's easier. 
And some of us could stand to have a little bit of that. And I think when I think about last weekend and, and Troy and some of the guys jumping in, man, the calling is to serve. It's to serve this community. Like, I don't have to think about if I should do it or not. Like, there's a need. I'm going to jump in and do that. I'm going to grab a broomstick and a rope and a, and a hose, and we're going to have some fun with the kids. Right? That's, that's amazing. Like, who does that? I could never have figured that out. But it's the calling. It's like, all right, I'm called in this moment to sort of serve this thing the best I can. And that sort of made that, that decision easier. But we don't know who we are, who we're called to, who we are in, 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 in God. Like, you kind of can just float around and you're making a little bit of decisions sort of arbitrarily. And the apostles know primarily, like, our calling, you know, we have to proclaim the word, so we're going to sort this out a different way. We're going to put some other people in this situation. And what we, should, what we, what we don't want to overlook here, which is because I love, is we look at this situation, they start, they're waiting tables, they're caring for widows, which is central to God's heart, uh, uh, almost above all other things. And the outcome of this action, when, when they start serving these tables, we just see the, you know, we get a kind of glimpse of Stephen and Philip uh, and some of the others. Even though they're called just to sort of wait tables and do this very ordinary thing, serving ordinary need creates extraordinary opportunity because we see Stephen began to sort of preach and miracles were happening around this guy. When he, when he stepped up and they said, hey, will you serve the tables? Stephen's like, you know what? I would, but I'm more of a miracle guy, so I'm going to hang out over here and like, do miracles. It's like, no, man. I'm going to care for orphans and widows. Let's do it. And then God used that platform, and he raised up this guy. All of a sudden, is, if you know the story of Stephen, he's tremendous. He's tremendous influence on the early church. Stepped up, and there, there's a need. I'm jumping into that need. Man, and as we lead and as we guide, and some of us are leaders here already. Like The way to lead is to serve. Find somewhere, some place to serve. It doesn't even have to be here, but in your community, in, in your life, in your friend circles, how do you become a servant? And that sort of opens up these leadership, leadership opportunities. Yeah, if you don't have Noah come up, I think we'll wrap up here, actually. Noah, you can come, come up. But this sort of idea that I just want, want us to kind of lean into for, for a church. I want to be a church that, man, I, I, I would hate to be a church where people are complaining and grumbling because they don't fit in. Man, that would just kill me. Like, that's the opposite of, the, of everything we believe in. And I know for some people that is like a stretch because like I said, like, I, gosh, I'm pretty good. I don't need any more people in my life. But you know what? There's people out there who need you. They need you to be in their life. I mean, a lot of us in this room have been looking around like that's, that's the more of the question for you. Like, whose life do I need to be in? Not what can I get out of these situations? Man, you're ready to give back. And if you've been hurt and you have some sort of deep wound from being neglected as a you know, a five-year-old, a seven-year-old, a 30-year-old, a 40-year-old, like, you just haven't been made to feel adequate enough. I, I know what that feels like. It hurts to not feel good enough and to feel left out. Like, man, I just in this time, like, open up those wounds. Lean into those wounds to God because we want to get beneath those scars. We want to get beneath those hurts. We want to find real people. When we sit at a table across from one another, man, I don't want to look at some kind of, like, shell or a mask of who you think you were or are. Like, I want to see the real you. Let's, uh, let's pray and we'll take a few moments. God, thanks for, um, gosh, thanks for the word. It's just so honest. The, the church, as great as it was, and as we like to tout it, how, how cool the first century church was. It, it had cliques and, cir- and cir- circles, social circles and challenges, and they weren't caring for widows because they didn't like how they dressed or whatever. I mean, gosh, Lord, thank you. That's a mirror of us, Lord. Help us to learn from that. I pray right now, God, you just kind of touch on that idea of this being just feeling left out. Maybe even right now, you just feel left out. You feel left out of life. You feel like you're kind of, you're kind of in, but not really in. 
And that hurts, Lord. So I pray for those wounds. I pray this community would help heal those wounds. If it's something from the past, God, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you touch those deep wounds right now, Lord? Open them up. Lord, help us to care for one another well, Lord, to have eyes wide open for who's in, who, who's in need. Regardless of where they come from, how they speak, what they wear, what they eat, Lord, what they look like, what their background is, their mayor tables always, always be open. The preceding was recorded at New Church in Ventura, California. Pastor Jesse Giglio was speaking. For more information about New Church, go to neuechurch.com. That website address again is neuechurch.com. Thanks for listening, and may God bless you and yours.